Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Hey, welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. I'm super pleased to be here with you. And I've been so super pleased with the feedback from the Salon CEO series. So many of you have been super kind to share your stories with me. And it's so nice to see them come into my inbox. I'm also super pleased that school is back. And I love the school holidays, don't get me wrong, but I also love getting back to a little bit of routine. And especially now that my kids are a little bit older, I have to really think about what they're doing every day. They don't really want to go to school holiday programs anymore. So it's nice to have them back at school. I know where they are every day and how much time I have available. And we'll just get back into the routine before I'll be wishing it's holidays again. (laughs) I don't really love routine naturally. And I'm also super pleased because Salon Mastery has started and we're off to a roaring start. I've got some amazing people that I get to work with and get to help. I can't wait to help them work towards living a life of more freedom and profit. So I'm super pleased, super pleased to kick off an amazing 2020. 2020. Anyway, I wanted to talk about one of the challenges that come up a lot for salon owners and block us as salon CEOs. Now, look, I mean, there are so many, but I felt this one needed to be talked about. And that is that the problems that you are facing are not always what you think they are. So let me explain what I mean by this. Let's take an example of what I mean. One of the owners that I've been working with asked me a question in one of our coaching calls. Her question was, how do I know when I'm ready to take on another stylist? So it's a great question, it's a common question, and I went on to ask her some usual, usual sort of logistical type questions to find out how we could discover the answer. So tell me about the productivity that you have at the moment, how much white space is available in your appointment book, how many hours are you open, how many late nights, hours on a Saturday, how many weeks do I need to wait if I wanted to book an, an appointment in your salon on a late night or a Saturday? So good questions to ask when you are trying to decide on whether or not you need to employ somebody else. And what we uncovered was that she was not actually open all the possible hours that she possibly could. In fact, she had just shut down her second late night and now was open one late night until one o'clock on a Saturday. There were still morning gaps in her appointment book and she certainly was at, wasn't at full capacity for productivity with her existing team. Everyone was booked on that one late night, as you can imagine, not surprising in advance. And also her new client intake, interesting, interestingly, well, probably not surprisingly, had dropped significantly in these few short weeks that she'd adopted these new hours. Because remember, new clients, when... They, they will come when they want to come or need an appointment. They don't have an established relationship with you yet. They won't wait. 
unlike regular clients who have an established relationship, are more likely to adapt their lives to fit into our appointment books, right? Because they already want, know, like, and trust us, right? So they already want to be with us. So when we unearthed this, I went on to inquire more deeply into these new facts that we had discovered. And the response was, my team don't want to work late nights. And also, we can't take on new clients in the evening and Saturday, so I'm thinking that we need somebody new. Well, I can, I can really see how she came to this conclusion. So she could see that she needed somebody new, or maybe the real problem is that the team won't do what is needed to be done to run an effective business. In fact, maybe she doesn't need a new stylist. She just needs to take back control of her business and her team and drive forward the success of her business before prioritizing the grumbles and complaints of her team. Would you agree? Because really they're just complaints, moanings from the team that happen sometimes and she's let herself tune into them and let them affect the way that she was running her team and running her business. Okay, so let's dive into that just for a moment. What would happen if you ran your business because you were held hostage by your team? What if, what if other businesses adopted this strategy? What if restaurants had a team that decided they didn't want to work late nights? What if McDonald's team revolted and said, we don't want to work evenings or on Sundays? How would McDonald's build an international brand based on the whims of the team? What if Decuba, now I'm using Decuba clothing, it's a fashion label in Australia, New Zealand, it's one that I like to buy from, so it's a good example. What if their team decided that they wouldn't work on Saturdays and Sundays? How would a fashion clothing label cope not being open on the weekends? Where would they be now? They wouldn't be international or national brands. What if those team members then left and left you holding the baby of a business that hasn't grown? because it didn't have the staff to do so. And then you have an, uh, adopt a new team, you bring a new team, mem team members on, and now they say that they're happy to work the weekends, but they won't work on Fridays. They won't work Friday nights. Where does this leave you and your clients in your attempt to build a brand and a sustainable business? And at that point, you are not in the driver's seat of your business. And also, it's not a client-centric business either. It becomes a team-centric business, and you're at the whim and the mercy of your team. So the real problem here is not that she needed another team member. The real problem here is that she was being held hostage by her team and didn't even realise it. Because sometimes our team complain out loud if we let them. And it can make you feel like you hate them feeling anything but happy. Because again, we feel held hostage by the team and if they're not happy, then we feel insecure about whether or not they'll stay. You feel responsible for their happiness. And you hate it when people don't like you all the time. It doesn't make us feel good. Or maybe you just want to fix life for everybody, but the reality is that we can't fix life for everybody. We can't keep all of the people happy all of the time. And in fact, my mantra when I had my cell on, and, and now too, actually, is that you can only keep 80% of the people happy 80% of the time. And if you're doing that, you're doing a good job. You cannot keep all the people happy all of the time. So the problem that she thought she was facing 
was that she didn't have enough people to work the hours that she needed to serve clients. You know, clients who are already clients or even the new clients coming into the business. Also her team in the same breath would complain that they were not earning enough to make their targets and they're not taking a taking enough home. And as a business owner, we just, we can't just pay them more just because they are through it unless they bring in more sales because that is not a sustainable business. And you can't bring in more sales unless you're available for the clients to see you when it suits them. So the real problem was that she was letting her team complain like children and body her into making changes to the core business structure and change the opening hours to suit them rather than lead her team to understand why we are in business. Why do we serve our clients first? Well, we know it's because it pays the wages. Why do we open late nights? Because we think about our clients first and being a convenience first business. Why have we chosen this industry and what do those choices mean? Like each team member individually makes the choice to enter this industry. It's not like they didn't know that late nights and Saturdays were going to be part of the package. And so they make that choice and they make that choice every day, but it's not your choice. They just need to understand the impact of their choice. And lead a team to have a work-life balance in ways that also serve clients. So like if the complaint is, I don't want to uh, work late nights, why? Because I feel overworked, I work too many long hours, whatever the problem is, I don't spend enough time with my husband or yada, 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 dig deep, why? Get to the bottom. And if they decide that it's, because it, on the surface level, they've decided that it's the late night's fault, that they're not getting their needs met in the rest of their life, probably. And I want you to dig deep. Are they overworked? What is that? Because it's not actually the late night's fault. What else is going on in their life? And what if you, the leader and the CEO, help them find the real problem and achieve their goal of work-life balance or whatever it is going on for them without compromising your core value or business proposition of serving clients first? For example, you could suggest things like or work towards things like start late on the mornings that you work late so you're not working a 12-hour day if that exhausts you. Have one Saturday off and three so you can spend more time with your family and take your kids to soccer or whatever it is that's going on for that team member. Maybe you adopt a four-day work week so they have a three-day weekend. There are many ways to skin the cat of the roster, right? But at this point, it's actually not about the roster. It's about finding a way to lead your team without compromise to the business and also not react and give in to the complaints and nagging and the guilt trips that, you, that your team choose whether or not they realize it to put upon you and as the salon CEO I want you to learn how to look at the challenges that you're facing and look deeper and look again to find the real problem and the root cause of what's really going on and not just the face value problem the problem here is not that she needed new team members to solve the problem right the problem was that she was letting her team bully her into making decisions to keep them happy without considering the bigger picture. It's not their role to think big picture, that's your role. She was not in fact stepping up in, into her role as CEO, which is keeping tabs on the bigger picture and future-proofing the business. That's your role. It's not their role to do that. And it's okay if they don't, don't do that, if they don't see the bigger picture. It's not their job to do that, that's your job. 
So if it's your job to do that, then you need to share that vision, that bigger picture, and you need to share the need and the why we do the things that we do. Okay? The symptom usually is not the root cause. So here's another example to help you to start to look deeper at the face uh, deeper into the face value problems, right? Okay, so another one of my owners was telling me how on a Monday when she goes into the salon, she goes there on a Monday because it's closed, she wants to get some stuff done, some nice quiet time, nobody else is in the salon, it's a really nice time to do that, right? But she notices regularly that the mopping has not been done from the weekend, from last week. So she's mostly feeling frustrated by the lack of completion of a reasonably basic but important task you know as it is in salons cleanliness is next to godliness of course and equally understanding how a salon can be on a saturday and how easy it can be to get busy and run out of time to do this without staying super late feeling for her team of course from the goodness of her heart so there's conflict here so she was setting about to mop the floor to get it done, help her team, but at the same time feeling super resentful because she's put her little kids into daycare to spend time on her business and instead she's spending time on mopping while her children are being uh, in daycare. Oh. <laughs> and this was happening for her week after week. You can see the frustration, right? And she said, I've told them so many times and they still won't do it. It's on the weekly list. So we decided to talk about it for a little, little while and what we discovered that the real problem, the root cause was that there was a lack of accountability from leadership. Okay, so let's dig into this a little bit more. Number one, who was checking off the cleaning or the housekeeping at the end of each day? Who was checking to see it got done? Who would follow up when things didn't get done? Who was responsible for the mopping on the Saturday? Was it Jane or was it quote unquote someone? Because you know that when someone is in charge or anyone's in charge of something, it doesn't get done. It's when there is a lack of clarity of who should be doing it and when it's someone, in fact, it turns out to be no one because everyone thinks that someone else is going to do it and they don't do it. And if Jane didn't do it and it was her responsibility, who would follow her up and rearrange when it was going to get done? When was it going to be forwarded to so it just didn't not get done? Should she, the CEO, step in and check on the list on the daily to see if it gets done? Well, no, definitely not. This information, in fact, the fact that it was done or not done, as the case may be, should be fed up to the manager in the first instance. So should the cleaning list, the checklist, the housekeeping list should be signed off and handed into the manager on a weekly basis? Then it's the manager's responsibility to ensure all of the operational things are done, things are done to standard, and it is how it should be done. And then the manager is accountable to the CEO who can help the manager when she's challenged with team performance or she doesn't, uh, who can help her troubleshoot when the team don't get things done or are constantly running out of time or other things will bubble out of that. In fact, realize actually we need somebody new now or whatever may come. Or maybe there's a performance management issue. The CEO's role is to help the manager manage the daily operations. Now, the CEO ideally doesn't and shouldn't have to go looking for information like a spy. Like, let me go and check on those people and check they've done their job. That's not the role of the CEO to see if things get done. This is not the life of a CEO. It needs to be fed up the line 
up the line so the CEO is fully informed at all times that things are being done or not, as the case may be, so she can help troubleshoot and remove obstacles out the way so operations are smooth, right? Now, P.S., if you are the manager and the CEO at the same time, well, then it's easy enough because you are one and the same person, right? Maybe you need some outside support to get some uh, support when things don't go right, but it's much easier when you are the manager and the CEO. But if they are two separate people, then that's how it should be supported. A CEO should not become a spy inside of their own business. So in the case of the CEO mopping the floor, it was not the cause of the problem that was presenting itself, right? I've told them so many times and they still won't do it. That's actually not the problem. Because the problem here is not that her team are bad. Actually, they're great people. They're not useless humans who don't care about the floor. Well, maybe they don't care about the floor, but they're not useless humans, right? Actually, the problem here is the lack of accountability and the systems within the business and the leadership team to make sure that flow of activity happens. Now, in my experience, most people want to do a good job. Most people want to perform well. They want to be good and want to be told so. Of course, there's always, you know, the one or 5% of people who just don't want to be that. They're lazy or they don't care. But that leaves 95% of the the working population and the people in your team want to do good. Remember that. People want to do good. I believe then that it's the system that is broken, not the humans. It's the leadership and management accountability systems that's the real problem here. There's lack of clarity. There's lack of framework. So not providing a clear framework for what should be done, how often, by whom, what does a good job like, and and what's plan B? If things go wrong, run late, busy, when shit hits the fan, what do we do then? Who is supporting the system? Who's accountable to the system, helping people do a good job? Who's showing them how to do a good job? Well, in this case, it's the manager. Who helps the manager? The CEO. So the problem is not that my people won't do a good job that I set out for them. The real problem is lack of clarity of what should be done, how often, by whom, consistency of the accountability, who's checking. Because if nobody is checking, that's actually read by the teams nobody cares. If nobody cares, why would they do it if nobody cares? Because if the CEO or the manager doesn't deem it to be important enough to check on it, then why would I bother? And then, of course, the systems. Remember, if they don't think that you think it's important, they won't do it or they won't care. Systems systems and processes will set you free. It's the role of the manager uh, is to manage the process and achieving the high-level purpose. Now, as the CEO, it's your role to set the high-level purpose. Now, in this particular instance, with the, with the good old cleaning list, which is probably the most boring thing to have a purpose around, but ultimately, what is the purpose here? The purpose is to have a beautifully clean salon for clients to walk into and feel comfortable enough to relax, or some such version, right? How do people feel, clients feel, when they walk into a salon that is hairy, unmopped, uh, and dirty? Well, they don't relax, they don't enjoy their visit, and there is a flow and effect to that, retention, ultimately. So even the cleaning list can have a high-level purpose, and it's your job as a CEO to set that. It's not about the tick, it's not about the mopping, it's about creating that high-level purpose and driven through processes and systems with consistent accountability and clarity. All right, so my question to you is, what problems have you faced and 
that you really need to look a little deeper at at the real reason your team aren't doing what you set out for them or what's the real reason why your team complain at you so much that you bend to their will. So I want to remind you to look and think like a salon CEO, like think through the problems that you are facing and keep asking yourself, what's really going on here? I want you to dig deeper than the surface face value problem. Is it really this or that, or is it just a symptom of the real problem that is a really bigger, deeper problem that actually needs addressing? What am I doing as the salon CEO, or not doing as the case may be, that's got us into this position? Is there clarity on why we do this? Why they should be doing this particular task or activity that's now falling apart? or that they're complaining about, am I actually letting this happen to me or letting this happen to the business? What system or process can I install to help manage the situation so actually everybody knows what's expected of them and why we're expected to do it? So I think these are good, this is a good series of questions that you can keep asking yourself as CEO. A tricky one sometimes, as sometimes the answer is not gonna be what you wanna hear because sometimes it's us that's allowing or even causing the problem when we stopped us for a moment to think about it. But I want to encourage you that when you face it head on, who actually wins in the end if you take the time to do that? Well, you do. The business does. Of course, the clients do. And then ultimately, the team does also. Okay, well, I hope this was useful to you today and that you have some good problems to go away and think about and dig a little deeper into. Reach out and let me know what problems you're facing that maybe need a little bit of a deeper thought and questioning to find out the real cause or the real root problem. So make sure you come and join the Salon Owners Collective Facebook group. I would love to hear your thoughts. And of course, this is a great place for you to post these thoughts and these questions. Love hearing from you. There's such a great supportive community of people inside of that group that uh, I know that they will help you dig into your problems more deeply, especially uh, when you share it around, uh, in good company. All right, I thank you so much for joining me. I hope that was useful and I look forward to connecting with you again next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast on iTunes or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.